Morning, family. I uh, wish I was with you. I'm not. I'm actually still at Memorial Hospital Friday night. I was supposed to be already over at Southwest, and something unbelievable took place, and I couldn't get over there. So it should be tomorrow, if not Monday. They told me I'll be there anywhere from 2 to 12 days. So probably two hours it take me to get it all back. But uh, took my first couple steps this week. Uh, mostly they carried me and exhausted me. I said, put me down. They put me down. I sat in that chair for like six minutes and said, take me back to bed. Put me back in bed. And that was the first day. My poor mom and dad sat over here with tears in their eyes. And um, then the next day, um, uh, they brought a walker in. And that was, and all of this, it scares you. It's like, my body will not do what I tell it to do. So the next day, they bring a walker, and they strap you in. They're pretty strong-looking people, something. Okay, pretty good. And I take, I don't know, just, just a few steps, and um, dizzy, awkward. They have to hold me. And, um, again, I heard my mom say, I don't like watching this. So I said, Mom, I'm going to be running laps around you in, in a week, so don't worry about it. Uh, but, I mean, you know, everybody's been really – today I got videotaped. I'm not going to show you that. Cheryl videotaped me uh, walking a straight line uh, with a walker with people helping me. And it's a challenge. I have to rewire each side, and they teach me little drills. But even those are hard. But that, that's not the point. I'm not. I'm coming back. I'm going to. I'm going to walk again. I'm going to walk through the process. How God's called me to walk through it, and it's good. I told God one night, if the peace gets any stronger, I may die. I mean, that's what the room was like, even with, with what was happening to me. I was still the peace of God, and the people that were that came, my kids, every I think every one of them spent the night with me, even though I've had to interview many times to figure out really the whole story. Like, I I don't I didn't remember a whole lot of it, but um, and then I got the hiccups. Um, I mean, so intense. The entire bed would shake and bring me to wide awake, and they would last. I would take, a, I'd take a sip, and I, the hiccups would start again. And then, four or five hours later, they'd stop, and and so I could hardly sleep. I didn't sleep after they woke me up. I think I didn't sleep for like um, like th three days or something like that. And, and but the hiccups would be so bad. And what I would say is, I crank worship music and worship with the kids and my wife and whoever was in there, and sort of worship and sing. And but then I think, hiccups, crown of thorns, hiccups, hiccups, back beaten. Hiccups. It's all perspective.
you know, I've been beaten, tortured, thrown in prison, watched my children killed, my wife raped. I'm with the people of God. You're praying for me. I want to tell you guys, I think I already said it before, but the outpouring of support from you guys has, we've set in eight mills and we just weep through the mill. Just weep at what you have written to us, the stuff that uh, the kids' class prepared for us. That morning we just read those and we went. <laughs> I'll be talking, telling a story, and I, I can't control my emotions. I just weep. I, just, I don't know why I'm crying. <laughs> but it's been, I'm serious, it's been, it's been this, the most amazing God encounter that I wouldn't trade for anything. I mean, I'm serious. It, it has been such a God encounter of the presence of, of and I can, rem- I can remember some scripture. And I could remember occasionally a word to a song and be able to, and, and thank God for worship music <laughs> that can take you places. And then, you probably heard some of this, but then I had hallucinations. Oh my gosh, you talk about hallucinations. Every time I closed my eyes, I would see this black, spirally, horrible stuff. And how to describe it? If I would see people, and everyone would turn into uh, the Planet of the Ape gorilla. <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, everyone. It'd be a beautiful woman. She'd turn into this gorilla. And and then, if there's any kids there, sorry, but this would come out of their mouths. and I'm, and I'm But it didn't scare me, because I thought, that's not real. Would you rather have that? Or would you rather have a crown of thorns? I'll take that any day. And But I got you guys praying. And about the third day in, it began to change a little bit. And one night was really a cool night. And it didn't stay there. But all of a sudden, I saw like angel wings. Just scattering along the ground. And it's like, wow. And then, then it would go back to the black stuff. And then all of a sudden, I could see lights. Like, just pinpoint lights. Like, wow, what is that? And then one night, I'm sitting there, and I'm, you know, I can't sleep. And all of a sudden, there's a man sitting at the end of my bed. I'm thinking, who are you? He has this nice hat on, this, this goatee. I think, who are you? And here's the thought. I'm, I know drug-induced. had nothing to do with anything. But I thought... Did you not use your mantle? And I said, I'll take it. If you didn't use it or discarded it, I'll take your mantle. And if you don't know what that means, ask somebody. But I mean, that's the crazy thought that came to me. So, uh, it, but I, honestly, I want to trade this. It's been amazing. Uh, I get exhausted, you know, doing anything. And finally, maybe I'm sleeping an hour or two a night, but it's going to get better even tonight. And uh, I hope to be home sometime next week. I mean, that's what I'm leaving for. (laughs) It may take longer, but I know I'm not going anywhere. And I've had some wonderful visits. One man came up. 
and and we had spent like two hours together at uh, Starbucks and and uh, there's a real good time fellowship. In fact, hopefully we'll be up to church in a few months. And when I left, he he said the Lord showed him. <sighs> he showed him that a trial was coming on my life, but I would I would survive. And and the Lord would be with me. I said, "Wow, I, I didn't know that." And so I mean, it was a great comfort to me that the Lord knew what was coming, and knew He had a purpose in it. He had a purpose in it, and it was for me, and it was for you, and it was for the valley, and it was to transform our valley. And so I took comfort in that. And, and I, I don't know if you've heard, but like the night. You know, we, we prayed, we prayed, we prayed. And I heard, I heard that Daniel said, the Lord told him, he wasn't going to heal me the way we said. And and the night before, also with, with Cheryl, before the surgery, before the MRI, you know, she prayed, 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 prayed. And she said, she saw, and you'll see it someday, a big scar on my head. And she said, she knew God wasn't going to heal me supernaturally, that I would have to go through the process. And so that brought great comfort to her, even as we grieved, the family wept, as, as you know, people came in and saw me on the ventilator, and, and it brought peace to her. And the ventilator was something that scared me, because I, I had, you know, been trained to be an RT and been in the room with people on ventilators and see how I'm struggling and fighting. I had to tie him down and, you know, uh, just, I mean, so it was one of those fears that I had none. You guys and my family were in there praying, worshiping, singing, quoting scripture over me. I have zero memory of the ventilator. They said I did struggle some, you know, and, but I, I had total peace on the ventilator. They'd ask me questions. I could, do little things. Couldn't move my left arm or left hand at all. Just total paralysis there. Look at that. And and all I can remember is them is saying cough. And I coughed and it came out. And I don't remember it coming out, but it came out and they said, Are you okay? Did is your throat hurt? Just shook my head and and that was it. I mean, so God's amazing. Modern medicine is amazing. Uh, the the staff here are. They asked me, "What's the staff?" I'm like, "Golden, golden." They prayed with us. They've wept with us. They have they have truly shown compassionate care. They have been amazing. I did, it's the greatest hospital in the world. And somebody's coming in. I don't have a nurse because I wasn't supposed to be here tonight, but hopefully I'm still going to get one. Um, got my first pick line today. That was quite an experience. They bring in this giant thing, and, and I just watched the video <laughs> somewhere on YouTube. So, but I just I do want to say, guys, it was I, you did great. You did great. I kind of asked for more from you. Don't hold yourself responsible for this at all because it's not you. We serve a good, good Papa. He's a good, good Father. It's who He is. And so, I remember most of the words of that song. 
and I'm going to play the guitar someday again. I, am gonna, I could remember three songs the day before the surgery that I could play, but the rest of them I couldn't. Joe would say, did I move your fingers on him? I'd move them around, the other way. And I couldn't do it, and I couldn't sing. I couldn't find the key. But I could three, sing three songs. Blessed Assurance, Solid Rock, and Tis So Sweet. That's it. And I sing, I think I'm singing. There's somewhere on YouTube. <laughs> and 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 there was I had a hundred visitors, you know this, like in in the three days before. So you did great. You're amazing. I can't wait to see you guys and and uh and be with you again. It's just it's been an amazing experience and I'll be home soon. And we're going from glory to glory to glory to strength to strength to faith to faith. And you're going to run faster than me. You're going to jump higher than me. You're going to go farther than me because I'm going to push you and stir you. And it's going to be... We might just have some Sundays where all we do is worship. Because I I don't know what else hardly to do. And I listened to their messages today, Joel and dad and moms, and decided if anyone ever needs anything again, I'll just say, listen to that one. Just listen to that one. Everything you ever want to hear is in that one. So listen to that one. If you only listen to it once, you haven't listened to it. I've listened to it with half a brain, and it was pretty good. And then I listened to it again today, and it's like, what? That's the most powerful put-together message I've ever heard in my life. So you guys are in great hands. Mark and Ann are going to be here. In a little while, uh, and uh, laugh at anything Ryan says today, okay? And make him feel better. But <laughs> I love you guys all, and I didn't have any, I didn't know what to say, but we said something, and Carrie will edit out all the silliness and all the fun. <laughs> so you take care, and this $30,000 bed is amazing. It goes all kinds of directions, and... Uh, Love you, and I will see you very shortly. Blessings. See God's glory come back to the valley for the name of Jesus to be glorified and magnified here. Michael's been allowed to go through this, and he's going through it completely the right way. How we go through these types of things determines the outcome. God has these types of things in mind for every bit of suffering and persecution and everything. He's trying to bring something good out of everything. But sometimes we walk through it and we say, God, you don't love me because I'm experiencing this. And that turns out to be a very terrible outcome for that person. But other people go into it into that refining furnace, and they say, God, I know you love me, and I know you're with me. And they come out refined and purified and made even more holy than they were before they went in. And, you know, where the leadership goes, that's where the congregation goes. And as you can see, he's experiencing... (laughs) He wouldn't trade it for the world.
And God did the same thing for me, too. You know, whenever I was right where Michael was three years ago, crying out for God to do whatever it took for me to go where it was that I want to go, into the depths of his love, and to have every bit of fear and doubt that I had for God dealt with in me. And shortly after that point in my heart, I said one morning, where do you want me to read today, God? And he said, you can read the book of Job because you're going to experience it shortly. And that didn't sound good to me. (laughs) But I came out of it experiencing what Job experienced in chapter 42, where he said, I had only heard of you before, but now I've seen you with my eyes. And in that suffering, I got to see God. And he brought me to a place where I was actually ready to believe him for the depths of his love and for who he really is. And I didn't go, it it wasn't immediate. I didn't go into it like Michael. I didn't have all, you know, 100 people, you know, leading me in the right direction. And when I ended up, you know, in the floor, in a spasm on my back, and it, for like 10, it was about for 10 minutes. Just I couldn't move my legs or do anything to get out of it. And I think that that's, other than childbirth, I think that's the worst pain because it's the worst that I've ever experienced. But in that suffering on the floor, my first thought was if I can get around to the other side of my bed, I could get my gun and I could shoot myself and it would all stop. And, and the grace of God came over me. And in that great suffering, the spirit, spirit took the flesh and I said, but I can give you worship in this. I can offer you worship in this excruciating pain. And the pain didn't go away. It didn't stop. But I lifted my hand and I lifted my heart and I lifted my eyes up to him. And I said, I wanted to worship him and I wanted to offer him what he's worthy of. And in that pain, I got to see a deeper truth about who God is and what a glorious and majestic father he is in that suffering. And it was the purest worship I have ever experienced getting to worship him in that pain and in that suffering. And that set me all up like the whole book of Job was a big setup for Job to finally be brought to that place to where God could have that three chapters of conversation with him, of speaking to his face. Where were you? Let me talk to you about wisdom and understanding. Let me tell you a few things, son. And God, my questions with God was, where were you when I was suffering as a young boy, the loss of my father? Where were you when I laid in bed and cried every night, wanting nothing more than my dad to love me and affirm me and accept me? But I couldn't have that. My dad wasn't willing to give me that. Where were you, God? Because that's when I turned and ran from him at age eight, when I failed to see the Lord there with me when I was suffering, crying every night, 
myself to sleep in bed. But after that time of worship in the floor, and then after a week in Memorial Hospital, which I concur with Michael is the greatest hospital ever, and then back home, and then in the floor, because I couldn't be in my own bed for two weeks, had three, four nights of not sleeping just like him, so much of his process of what he's going through, the Lord used so many of the same things and took me. He broke me. He completely broke me to where I was ready to hear the truth. And one night, I was in the floor, and I had fallen asleep finally, and the Lord came to me in my floor, and he showed me, I was with you when you were suffering. I was with you when you were crying for your father. I was there comforting you, and you failed to see me. You failed to recognize that I was there with you, and instead you believed the lie that I'm not good, and that I don't have your best interest in mind, and that I don't know what I'm doing, and you turned and ran from me. And when he came and showed me that, that was where I went from sold out for the Lord to completely sold out for the Lord. And I believed the truth that God is always good. And I was had to be broken to be able to hear that truth. I had to go through that suffering, and I had to go through all that I went through for those three weeks to get to that place to where he could finally show me the truth and I could accept and receive it. And God is doing a great thing in our midst right now. And we don't understand why he does things the way he does them and what he's doing when he does it, but God is always doing it the best way, the most efficient way, in the way that brings the most glory to his name. And we get to be a part of the whole entire process of what he's doing in us and through us. And what I wanted to talk about, I talked about this in the first service is what the earth is. And does it, do you guys understand what the earth is? The earth is, huh? It is a planet. The earth is the biggest refinery in the solar system. And you'd see that thing down in Bakersfield off of Rosedale Highway, and it's got all this stuff in it. These big pipes and tubes and all this different stuff. And they put oil in there. And they take it through a process. And none of it, if the oil had feelings, none of it feels good. It's pressure and heat and boiling and all kinds of different stuff. And that's what God is doing with us. He's refining us. Because in the beginning, God... Saul, and you have to understand that God knew everything that was going to happen before it happened because it says that the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. So none of this caught God by surprise. He knew it was all going to happen before it happened. That's why the lamb had to be slain from the foundation of the world. He already knew what was going to happen, how he was going to rectify everything, and how he was going to refine us and take us all through the process to make us sons and daughters of the living God. And it 
requires heat and pressure and bending and molding and shaping. And it requires all of this stuff that the refinery requires for crude oil. And in the end, you come out with all these products that are for specific use. You come out with gasoline and butane and propane. And all these different things come out of this one product. And God saw that the issue with us was free will was going to be a problem. Free will for us is a problem. It's where we either rebel from God's will or we can use our free will to yield to his will. And God says in his word, he created everything. He created Satan. He put him in the garden. He put the fruit that we were forbidden to eat of in the garden. That was where he gave us free will and gave us the opportunity to either make a choice to trust that he's good and that he says everything for a reason and a purpose or to doubt his goodness and love. Adam and Eve chose to doubt God's goodness and love. And Satan knew how to play on their strings and say, did God really say? It's because he doesn't want you to be like him. It's not because he has your best intention in mind. And it's not because he's a good father and knows what's best for you. And they believe that lie. And he, throughout this whole process on the earth, is trying to root that doubt out of us. He brings it to the surface in our lives, and he's trying to root out of us the doubt and the unbelief of his goodness and his love, and that his purposes and his ways are truly are, are best for us and for his kingdom. And through this refining process, God is bringing us to where, to where in the end, end, everything that cannot be yielded to his will will be discarded. And everything that can be yielded to his will in the end will be a son or a daughter of the living God. If it can be made to yield to God's will and to trust in his goodness and his love and learn how to love as he loves, this will become part of his kingdom. This is what he's building his eternal kingdom out of. He's building his kingdom out of us. Are we fit for the building or not? He's giving all of us our own opportunity on this planet to decide, do you want to yield to his will or do you want to do your own will? It's Isaiah that he has created the blacksmith who fans the coals beneath the forge and makes the weapons of destruction. And he says, and I have created the armies that destroy But in that coming day, no weapon turned against you will prosper or succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. And he says also in Isaiah, when he's talking to the children of Israel, he says, I have not refined you as the silversmith does, but I have refined you in the furnace of suffering. Jesus Christ was made perfect through suffering. You can read it for yourself in Hebrews. Some people's wills 
are harder to yield to the will of the Lord than others. Some people have to go through further process of refining than others. And God is not refining us because he's mad at us or he's upset with us. He's refining us because he sees that deep in our heart we have chose him. We have made a choice for him. But our will is not bending easily, so it must be broken. We go through suffering so that we can be refined. In Ecclesiastes it says, Sorrow is better than laughter, for sorrow has a refining influence on us. And if God is taking you through something, recognize that he's there with you. Don't turn and run from it. Because he'll take you through it again and again until you... He'll keep on taking you through there, not because he's upset with you, but because he loves you. And he's working and doing everything in his power for you to be conformed to the image of his son. And we think because it doesn't feel good that it's not the Lord. And we turn and run the other way. Refining never feels good. It always has heat and pressure. It just all this stuff that just is excruciating. But on the other side of it, we become more like his son. And that's what he's interested in, is a family that lives like his son, that can completely yield our wills to his. And we're doing it with our own free will. With our own free will, we've recognized that our wills and his are not one and the same. And that our will brings destruction and that his will brings life. And we come to this place to where we say, God, you've helped me to see what my will brings. Not my will be done, but yours. And when we can completely wills to his, that's when we become a perfect man or woman, full of endurance, able to love anybody, perfect and lacking nothing. This is when you become appropriate for the kingdom of heaven. This is when you can be a stone in the building that the Lord is building out of his sons and daughters with Christ as the chief cornerstone. Help us, God. Help us to always recognize your goodness, even in suffering. Help us to be grateful for the joyous times And for the refining times, we know that everything that you're doing, you're doing for the good of us who love you and are called according to your purpose. We trust you, God. We trust you with our lives and we commit our wills to yours. We yield to you this morning with the help of your Holy Spirit. Help us to bring everybody with us that can be brought. Help us to reveal your love and your truth 
to those that are able to see it. In your precious son's name we pray, Father. Amen. You guys can laugh now. Wow, we ended right at 12 o'clock. Did I mention that we're having a movie tonight at 5.30? We're having a movie tonight at 5.30. Holy Ghost Reborn. The camp is evacuated, so... In Romans chapter 8, God talks about this, why he subjected all of creation to what it's been subjected to. And God does so many things that we don't understand, that we could never comprehend or fathom. And if you think that everything that God does in you, for you, and through you, it's all going to feel good and that it's all going to be just incredibly pleasing and it's just going to be joyous and glorious. You've obviously never read the Old Testament and known that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still the same God that he was then. And nothing has changed. God will use anything to bring us to where we become sons and daughters. Everything that's going on is all about us that are going to become sons and daughters of the living God. In, in chapter 8 in Romans, he says, Yet we, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subject to God's curse, or futility is another translation. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. This is why he's subjected us to futility, that the creation could look forward to the day when we will, it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. He's taking us into the freedom and liberty of being his children. This is why the whole thing on the planet is happening for the end result of the family, the children of the living God. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of the future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he promised us. (sighs) You will have a new hip. If it's not right now, it's when you get your new body. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. 
And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. He's making everything work together for the good of the family of God, for the children of God. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. He's justified us. He's made us right in his eyes through the blood of his son. Through the blood, through the suffering that Jesus Christ went through, we've been made right in the eyes of God. And now he shares his glory with us. What shall we say then about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? And I ask you, who could ever be against us if God is for us? If he's on our side, he is the one in charge of this whole thing. And if he's for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also Give us everything else. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Nothing. Does it mean that he no longer loves us when we have trouble or calamity, or are persecuted or hungry, or destitute or in danger, or threatened with death, or have tumors in our body, or cancer in our body, or rheumatoid arthritis, or lupus, or any of the things that we have? Does it ever mean that God doesn't love us? No. As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky or in the earth below, indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can you bring up the songs in iTunes, please? There's two of them, Matt. And we're going to take, and just keep them paused for just a moment, if you would, please. We're going to take a few moments in we are going to let the Holy Spirit come into this room and deal with our fears, our doubts about the goodness of God, our misconceptions and our misunderstandings about
him having the absolute very best intentions for us in our life. And let him come and just deal with the places in your life where you went through the worst suffering that you've ever been through, the greatest loss that you've ever experienced. And let him during this time just show you that he's always been there with you, that nothing has ever been able to separate you from his love. Nothing has been able to separate you from him. But you not believing that he loved you kept you from being able to see it. We can't see reality until some truth, till God's truth points reality out to us. And if you want to go deeper and you want to yield your will to his and you want to be able to just trust him with everything that's in you and know that he has all of the best intentions for you because you're his children. Let him do it in you now. Would you go ahead, please, Matt, with everything to me first and then that next song. We welcome you here, Holy Spirit. Just come and deal with the lies. Come and deal with the lies that we've entertained about the goodness of Daddy God. Father, bring the revelation of the truth of your love. 